is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Dan Looney, we continue the conversation on taste, nuance, daily rituals, and common pieces of incorrect advice. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Dan Looney. How has your, now you might've just answered this question, but I I do want to ask it because I feel like taste is very important when telling stories, especially among, Mm -hmm. you know, producers and the stories you want to tell, how has your taste evolved, grown, matured, whatever way you want to put it? Um, I don't think my taste has changed or evolved, okay. frankly. I think it's relatively there. I think sure. for me, I've always been that, um, look, for me, it's very simple. It doesn't matter what message you're telling. If you're trying to make people think about the message you're trying to put out there, you have to get it out to as many people as possible. So, you know, for me, I've, I've never worked in the fringe. I've never worked off Broadway. I've never worked in those. I, I, I'd like to work in the big theaters and the, well, you know, with the big, with the, um, with the big money, that's just what I like to do that. It, that is, I suppose my taste, but I've, I've always been a fan of saying you could create a piece that is that, that has the most wonderful point and message that could change the world. But if you're performing it in front of four people, you ain't changing the world. So I always, I always say to creatives and authors, if you can tell this story and you can still make it commercial, then you're getting your message out there to so many more people. And we've seen this with, with um, we've seen this with shows, you know, you take, um, I just off the top of my head, everybody's talking about Jamie in the West End, mm. you know, there's some really wonderful themes in that, yeah. but they've been able to get those themes out to a West End audience every night to 650 people every night. And it, and it, and it, is, and it changes people's lives. Um, and for me, I can, to go back to taste, we have an eclectic slate of work that we're developing, like from everything, from the most unashamedly commercial jukebox musical sellout show to a, to a show that is uh, about a, a voice that is so underrepresented in this business that is going to be a real struggle to see how we can make it commercial. But it's my job then as the producer to go, great, how do we get this in front of as many people? Because that's where we change people's minds and that's where we get our message across. Um, so therefore you can, you can, back all the different sorts of pieces from plays to musicals to uh to whatever it might be as long as you get that message out so again i've kind of answered your question whilst answering my own question no which i which i'm loving because that's exactly that's exactly what i want to hear um i had this conversation with hunter arnold and it was a it was a conversation similar to you have to do certain pieces (laughs) that make money (laughs) so you can funnel it to the pieces that may or may not make money, but have a very, very meaningful, important, poignant, absolutely, you know, message. One hundred percent. And I find I find this more in film than theater, where a story is told without hitting you over the head with it, you know, without being preachy. Yeah. And it's an incredible message that you know can change. Yeah. And I and, and I and my and my taste with that. Sorry to interrupt, but my taste with that as well is is don't tell an audience what they should think. Tell the story right and they will come round to your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. If you hit them over the head, and there are some musicals at the moment in the world that are doing this, and it winds me up. If you just go and if you tell the audience that if you don't agree with what we're telling you, you're a bad person, mm. then you are not telling a correct story. Some of the most incredible pieces of storytelling I've ever seen are 
pieces that make you sympathize with the villain of the story. Because then at that point, you can have a fully circular and rounded view of the piece. Mm. You know, we're producing Bonnie and Clyde in concert here in the UK. The great thing that Ivan Menchel did with writing that book was even, even though he, did, he didn't shy away from the horrible things Bonnie and Clyde did, but he made you sympathize with the characters and he made you realize why they were driven to do what they do and therefore what a reflection that was on America at the time. And it's mm -hmm. a bigger story. There was a play called The Nether in the UK mm. that made you leave going, am I agreeing with the pedophile in this piece? And you, and, but then again, what it does is it makes you not, it's not about agreeing with the pedophile. It's making you go, why has these decisions been made in the world by the people that have the power that then that we now need to be questioning because of this piece you hit people over the head with it they won't listen they'll just they'll just move on and um i i think it's a really important step it's an important crossroads that we're at right now because there are musicals and there are pieces that are kind of virtue signaling and i i just mm. don't think that's a way forward really with with actually getting a message across to people Certainly to an older generation, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's part two with Dan Looney. Uh, <laughs> um, but but my point is too, you know, to to your point, uh, I guess we have this a very similar point is that if we, if more of that could be done, you know, what's done in film on the stage, because I do notice a lack of you know solid book writing. Yeah, in theater, it's, it's a, the music it's lack, it's, you can find a lot of hit writers. Of, it's a lack of nuance sometimes. Yeah, you know. You, you you have i'm not a writer i'm not i'm not a book writer i'm a composer but i'm not a book writer i so i can't fully speak for them but my my gut feeling always has to be that if you're writing those things and you're writing a bad character you have to love that villain character as much as you love your hero when you're writing it yeah um and you have to do that um for me in order to get a fully nuanced piece and i think some of the best pieces in the world that have ever been written um, are the ones that have done that. You know, Javert in Les Miserables is a, a horrible character, mm -hmm. but you sympathize with him and the mental struggles that he's going through. So therefore you understand his demise. And um, that is, is, you know, we, we, need, we need sometimes to just go back to that. You know, I think there's, 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 there's too much telling an audience what you should think as opposed to letting them just feel what they feel. Um, and also letting audiences have different opinions on a show. I mean, whenever, mm -hmm. you know, some pieces now got to the point where you all have to agree on the same thing. And actually, isn't it great to be able to have a piece where people come out and argue and go, no, I think that character was right. No, I think that character was right. I love that. That's, that's the theater that needs to be made, in my opinion, anyway. Um, yeah, to start conversations. That's what it's yeah. all about. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what, that's, that's, that's what theater's about. Absolutely. That's completely what it's about. I read this fantastic book called The Message. The Medium is the Message. And I might be switching it up. Message is the Medium. And it talks about how theater, you know, newspaper replaced theater and how these different things are connected and what message you're telling on what medium. And I think understanding, you know, we need more people like yourself who really understand the medium of live theater because it's not film. You know, it's mm -hmm. not it's not it's not radio pop. It's very nuanced, like you just described. So I appreciate you diving deep on that. Uh, by the way, I don't. I don't know. This is just my well, opinion. I mean, it, art's other people have different opinions. So art, know, it, art is, is what it is, and we'll 
exactly and we we will just continue to create the pieces that we feel need to be created in the way that we feel that we need to be created so yeah yeah art is so subjective it's really all taste <laughs> it is and you know what i think i think a point a point i just remembered that i wanted to say as well is it's absolutely fine for people not to like certain pieces sure. you know um and it's also it's also absolutely fine we I, i'm i i get very tired of people being snobby around theater you know a jukebox musical is uh you know has as much place on broadway and in the west end than any other piece as the same way that um a uh, a brand new musical that is not based on anything has exactly the same place you know broadway in the west end should be eclectic from all of those things to be able to hit all of the different audiences um and i think america has that i think america has that really well done at the moment it seems to be that you you know um you have a really good balance of things Your audiences want new work as well as they want some of the stuff that they know the uk isn't that um but I think, you know, again, I, I always try to say to people if they're like, oh, here's another jukebox. I'm like, well, give it a try because Jersey Boys was phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, and some of those pieces deserve to have the success that they had. Some of them do not. Some of them are cheaply made and they're terrible. But, um, you know, and, and, and I'm probably going to be producing one of them relatively soon. So <laughs> I'm a sellout. It's fine. But, you know, um, they all deserve their place and they all cater to different audiences. And the more eclectic we make our theatrical scene, the better. Yeah. Um, and I just don't, I don't like people who look down on it. That's my thing. I mm. just, you know, it's snobby and there's no, there's no need for it. Yeah. yeah. That was a whole other point I just wanted to make. No, it's here. It's on record. <laughs> um, is there a daily ritual you have or a way in which you start your day or a method of operation in getting through your days with having so many different tasks? No, I wake up in the morning and I go, who's going to annoy me today? <laughs> who's who's going to send me a rubbish email who's going to make me go home and angry it's just the life of a producer you're always the bad guy you're never the good guy um so no my my day is to not even check my emails until i get into the office okay um it's i don't listen to musicals when i'm at home <laughs> i don't really watch musicals unless i really want to uh, at home um it's such an all, as you know, it's such an all consuming job mm. and you're constantly putting out fires and yep. dealing with egos. And, um, here's my favorite one for everybody dealing with agents, enjoy agents. Mm. Um, some of them are lovely. Some of them make your life very, very difficult. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's such a stressful job that I try where possible not to let it consume my life. But at the same point, I'm building a business and I have, I, I have the guilt. If I just sit and watch TV or I um, play a game or whatever it might be, I feel guilty because I'm not working and that time could be used to help build my business and to um, do things on my to-do list. So it's a really hard balance that I don't think I'm anywhere near to solving. Um, I've never been able to deal with my work-life balance particularly well. So when I get up in the morning, it's the only thing I've been able to control is to not look at my emails. Um, and that's it. And then I just get a podcast on, I get on, I get on the underground 45 minutes into work, then work starts. So my morning is very, is, is as much as it can be chilled and neutral. The only people that really can ruin that is if any of my team text me saying, please check this email. And then I'm like, oh no, oh no. That's the only it's the only thing that can ruin my my morning. <laughs> so they know better. No. 
they, they do not know better. No, no way. Um, is there a common piece of incorrect advice you hear within producing production live theater? Um, that it's dog eat dog. Hmm. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah. Work with people you like. Don't work with people you don't like. Um, hoping that other people's shows closed just so it opens up a theater for yourself is just, it's just the nasty thing to think and, and to put out there in the world. Um, I would rather make partnerships with people um, and have a friendly rivalry and a friendly competition mm. as opposed to um, stepping on each other to get on our way up. Um, mm. And you have to do it sometimes. You have to, you're forced to because the business makes you. But I think mm. the people that actually tell you that you have to act in that way, I think are dinosaurs. And I think it's the old way of working. And I don't, it goes back to your question of, of, of being kind. Um, you know, we, we don't work at DLAP. We try not to work with people we don't like. It's simple as that because it makes our lives a lot easier. Look, we get one life and we're making the most wonderful theater in the world. So let's have some fun doing it. Um, but when people give me that advice and say, you have to be this way, I just smile at them and shrug it off. Cause I think it's, I think it's awful advice personally. Um, and maybe I'll be proved wrong on that and maybe I'll be eaten alive, but, um, I just don't think it's the way forward anymore. I happen to agree. I don't see dogs eating dogs. <laughs> I don't also, by the way, I don't, where's that phrase come from? I've never seen a dog eating a dog. I've so. I mean, there's other I, animals you know, to use than that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. And I think no. you're, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. There's more than, there's more than enough for everyone to go around. There, there really is. is. And there you know, really if is. the people have, the big egos and they want to be that way fine let them be that way you know there is enough well you know there actually isn't enough space i disagree with you on that i think there's there's you know because we have to deal with the real estate that we're given in theater but but i just i think the people that act like that they're getting caught up with now oh you yeah. know you're looking at he who must he who must not be named on broadway yeah. you know he's been caught up with now because you can't work that way you can't yeah. be that way and yeah. as we're now calling out everybody who's you know um been inappropriate or been abusers or whatever you you just you know you also can't just be a horrible person because it would just get rounds now and yeah. um you know again kill with kindness as best as you can yeah and there'll be lots of people who disagree who hate me by the way so it's fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that's life um no and right. i do want to clarify when that's i say crazy. when i say enough to go around i mean money there's more than enough finances oh. to well, in, put whatever well, in project you want yeah up. in america there is in i'll disagree industry. in the uk but in america there certainly is well i you know and that's going going along with the you know the doggy dog kind of theme i don't understand the level of thirst i guess is a modern way of saying you know that protection that insecurity of like these are my investors this is my money no back up it's like no if you're telling a story that someone over here wants in on why the hell not you know yeah. what it's so uh yes i agree with you yeah Totally agree. Uh, um, another, I think this is an American question. You let me know. How, how have you gotten better or how, how do you balance achievement versus fulfillment? Oh, that is an American question. Um, <laughs> uh, achievement versus fulfillment. Okay. Well, I'll firstly go back to what I said earlier. I, I, here you go. I'm not normally a stagey person, but here's my stagey comment of the day. Um, anytime I hear 
the phrase in Hamilton, you'll never be satisfied. I immediately am triggered by it because I never am. Um, it doesn't attacked. matter what I, I will go to my deathbed and I could be the most powerful, most brilliant person in the world. I'll still not be satisfied because I didn't open a theme park somewhere or something. I don't know. Um, so fulfillment for me is a really interesting one because I never really feel fulfilled. Um, from an achievement point of view, I, I have the odd moment where I can sit back and go, this is cool. You know, we, we, we've won an Olivier. We have an Olivier in our office. So that's kind of cool when I pass that. Um, but for me, I, I, I suppose I never, I never really, I never give ourselves as a company the credit that sometimes we deserve because, you know, we've, we've lost more money than we've made. We've, we have, we have upset people. We've, you know, we've had shows that have closed early that have put people out of pocket. So I think for me, I never allow myself to go. I never allow myself to pat myself on the back because until, until we as a company have righted all of the wrongs, um, that we have not meant to make. It's not like we've gone out and been evil geniuses and, hmm. you know, laundered money. It's just that we've made decisions on shows that haven't worked. And that's producing, you know, three out of 10 Broadway shows recoup, the rest do not. Um, yeah. It's so we, I don't think we ever really, everybody always says to me, oh, you must be so proud of what you're doing. And I think me and Adam are just so focused on the forward momentum of the company, making sure that we right the wrongs that we have made in the past. Um, that I think it's a long time till we ever get to the point where we feel either fulfilled or we can really um, look at the achievements and the progress that we've made. And I think that's kind of sad, mm. but I just think it's the way we are. And I think that's what drives us at the moment. Um, and one day, hopefully I'll sit back and go, oh, great. That was great. We've got a lot of things we're very excited about right now. We've, we've, we've built the company into an amazing place. But it's probably two years away from every from getting over the hump. Mm. It's two years away from us going. All of the risks that we took a few years ago have now paid off. And mm. at that point, maybe we'll feel a little bit more fulfilled, and we'll we'll um we'll be happy with the achievements that we've made. I mean, hopefully. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I get a distinct impression you enjoy wholeheartedly what you're doing. Um. No. Well. Uh oh. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say that, um, it's like getting enjoyment through trauma. It's like you thrive off of the stress. And I think there is a, I think for me, I can, I can never fail. I can't lose. That's the sport side of me. Sure. I have to win. Sure. Um, and therefore for me, however hard it gets and however miserable it can be and believe me certainly with what's been going on the last 21 months it's been miserable in places oh sure um yes it i there is a there is a determination for adam and i to prove ourselves mm. and to prove that we can do what we want to do mm. um so i wouldn't say that the job makes me happy or that i'm enjoying it mm. i think it will in the future once we get past the hard bit, but you know, businesses take five to 10 years of hard work, long hours, stress, tears, um, yeah. all sorts to really build. Yeah. And I think we're just in the middle of that at the moment. So um, there is an enjoyment sometimes, but I'd, I'd say most of the time it's very, very hard. And we are, we're always distressed. We're stressed and I apologize to all the people around me in my life that have to deal with that. Um, yeah. Because they do, they do get it unfortunately and it affects a lot of things it affects personal lives it affects friendships it affects family yeah. um 
because at this point to make this happen, the work has to come first. Yeah. Yeah. You got to love the pain. <laughs> you do. It is. It's enjoyment through trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. This conversation, this has been, this has it been just, really great. It just got dark, didn't it? Yeah. No, it didn't though. It didn't. It didn't because uh, I think the more honest you are, the more the listeners can you know grow as individuals these are topics that aren't necessarily talked about and it's much more interesting than sitting here being like oh my god i love opening night i love you know it's like well, we don't care about that I mean, we want to know about no, you know. If, if, well look if you allow me for two seconds look i think it's a big thing that we you know producers have had a bad rap for so many years yes. because some producers are um i'm trying not to swear here but they're not nice people and they have you know they've plundered and pillaged the business yep. for their own gain and they have they have eaten everybody else around them. Yep. You know there is a uh, there is a movement of young producers, certainly in the UK, that are coming through that are kind and want the best. And they have to make difficult decisions. And I sometimes want to turn to cast members when we have to make decisions they don't like. And I want to explain to them why we did this to save their jobs or mm. whatever it might be. But you can't because there's a professional line that you can't tow um, that yeah. you have to tow. Sorry. And the problem that producers have is producers have no one to go to on this. Producers deal, we are always, we're never the ones who get credit. The directors, the writers, they all get credit for these shows. Mm. Um, even if the producer's been working on it for five years prior, mm. credit's not what we need, but you know, we're, But the, to balance it out, we're always the bad guys. We're always seen for our bad decisions. We're never praised for the good decisions, most of the time. Mm. And I think it really, it, you know, in the day and age now where we're talking about mental health, it's so important to realize that producers are human and we go through 10 times the stress than, than anybody else in the business does, in my opinion. And that's because I've straddled the line within being a creative an author, an actor and a producer. Um, and I, I always say to people, I, I would love producers that don't understand actors and company members to right. spend a week in their shoes. Yeah. And I'd love company members and actors to spend a week in our shoes. And I do think that in the long term, there is something that should be done in bringing people together, certainly bringing agents and producers back together, going yeah. back again to just working with people with respect. But I do think that there is a conversation that needs to happen at the moment yes. about making sure that producers are fine because producers take the hit on everything financially, um, with, with with a mental burden and i've in the short time i've been producing i've nearly quit two or three times because it just gets too much um and i think that there needs to be a a change in thought about producers and who they are um and how human they are they're not robots um and not and most producers do not have money most producers are not sitting in penthouses in New York yeah. or sitting on multi-billion pound yachts. Hopefully one day I will be. And then everybody can moan at me and that's fine. But until then, I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got bills to pay. I've got people to support. I've got staff to pay. And it's a very stressful time. So if people can have a bit more understanding for producers, woe is us. Yeah. Um, I think that would be nice because I think a lot of producers suffer with a lot of mental health issues at the moment. And we just are not allowed to talk about it. You know, I realized this during the pandemic because we always, you know, many majority of the world um, are employees. So they're working for someone. They have a paycheck, you know, that that contract ends or that job ends and they move on to another job. Now, imagine if you're in charge and it's your burden and your duty, not burden, but job to pay people 
to be in charge of their health insurance and making sure that they have their livelihood. That level of stress is astronomical. You're taking care of you because you're not just taking care of your staff. You're taking care of their family. Yes. Everything. It is. And it's, it's why I can't run away. If I wanted to, I couldn't run away because I have a responsibility to the people that are directly employed to me in my office and the people that are then employed by my, you know, by my shows. But it does. It sits on your shoulder. You wake up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. You know, you would net you can never switch off as a producer. And it is so mentally exhausting. And I don't think that people understand it when when, you know, again, I can say this because I've been an actor. But when when actors get tired at the end of a day of tech and then they have a go at the producer or the company manager at the end of the day for something they didn't like. I just want to throttle them sometimes to say, please, can you know what I've gone through for the two years just to get you to this stage? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's constant. We're constantly on, we are constantly thinking about everything and above all else, we are thinking about making sure everybody's looked after before ourselves and the producers that aren't doing that should not be producing. Your job is to be the boss. Your job is to look after everyone exactly like you say. And I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. To be a leader. And I get that, I get that total and complete sense from you. And I appreciate you, you know, diving so deep on this conversation. It's much more fascinating than, you know, the superfluous. (laughs) What's your favorite song? These these things have to be talked about. What's my favorite song? Not sure. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Um, Metaphor. It's my favorite musical though, if that helps. Why? It just, it's just the perfect piece. Is it not? I agree. Everything about it. I'm just asking why. (laughs) Except for one of the wizard songs of which we can sure get rid of. It's such a great piece. Joe Mantello, Wayne Salento, what they did with that on on Stephen Schwartz's best work ever. I could sit and talk about it all day. It is the best musical. And I, 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 you know, I just think it's just the one of the most classic pieces ever written. Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. production is so is just so stunning. Mm. So stunning. Anyway, there you go. There was the stagey yeah. part of the conversation. Ended on a high note. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? Um, I know the phrase I want to say. I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to say it. So shall I just say it and then you can either cut it or beep it or whatever you want? Sure. Um, uh, don't be a dickhead. That's it. Or don't work with dickheads. We're actually putting a, a, a neon sign up in our office, a big neon sign when you walk in that says we do not work with dickheads. Just don't, you know, and, and I'm saying that, by the way, as someone who has been a total ass to many people in the past, I have gone through periods of my life which I did not deal with the pressure of what I was going through. And I became a not nice person and I've come out the other end of that. And I still trip up. I'm still not always the best person, but I'm human. But the biggest thing I've learned is where possible, try not to be a dickhead. Mm. And I really hope that makes it into this podcast. It does. It's staying. <laughs> I might have to add some little stars over the certain letterings on the, you know, be, the publicity. Just but... yeah, just be, yeah. Oh, I should do that. I haven't done that before. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> this has been absolutely special. I cannot wait to see where you continue to go, you know, with DLAP and life. It's oh, just, thank you. So much. I feel like I caught you at a particular moment in time where you're, you know, <laughs> working your ass off. <laughs> A time, a time where I have no idea where I am, what day it is, what time it is, um, <laughs> what's going on. Is there anything else you want to add here before we wrap it up today? 
no i i no great i mean you know cool. just please please people buy tickets i know people are scared but please buy tickets otherwise we can't produce shows thanks yeah support the live <laughs> that's theater that's mainly for the uk regional audience there love it i love it <laughs> people of the world dan looney You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>